So we continue today in our study of 1 Peter. And so far we have considered how we are chosen by God and have been sanctified. That is set apart and to have a purpose and that is to follow Christ. And we've been given a new identity. We are now the, the children of God. And last week we focused on the shield of faith which protects us as we face the trials of life. We learned that there is a fundamental truth which is key to our faith, and that is the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Because his resurrection is what assures us of our new life and our inheritance, which God holds in heaven for us. Today, as we continue this, this study, we're going to consider begin considering the expectation which is ours because of our faith in what God has done for us. So let's begin with prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we praise you, we thank you for what you have done for us in Jesus Christ. We thank you not only for his life, but the life that he gave that we might have eternal life. Father, we thank you for all the blessings that come through us because we have believed in him and have been made a part of your family. And as we continue this study today, Father, help us to appreciate and, and accept the expectation that is ours because of our faith in your Son. Be with us now as we study. We ask it in your Son's name. Amen. In the early 60s, uh, I was living in the country of southern Illinois. As I've told you, the, my dad was a preacher in a country church there. And while it was not directly associated with the church, uh, there were several boys in the congregation, myself among them, who belonged to a club. Uh, there were also several adults in the church who were uh, actively participating as leaders in this club. And as a young boy, I decided to join the club. It was a boys club, a boy scout club. Now becoming a boy scout, it's pretty easy. You just decide you want to do it and you join. But when you join, there's an oath that you take. And the oath outlines the expectation of a boy who's going to be a boy scout. Now I'm going to read to you the scout's oath. On my honor, I will do my best to do my duty to God and my country and to obey the scout law, to help others at all times to keep myself physically strong, mentally awake, and morally straight. And that scout law that is mentioned there, here it is. A scout is to be trustworthy, loyal, helpful, friendly, courteous, kind, 
obedient, cheerful, thrifty, brave, clean, and reverent. And the scout motto, do your best. Now, don't you wish that all of our children in school today had this expectation? Well, today we're not really here to talk about the expectations of a Boy Scout, as admirable as those expectations are. We're going to talk about the expectation of anyone who has placed their faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has accepted Him as their Savior, and thus has been chosen by God to receive that inheritance of eternal life. So let's begin by reading from 1 Peter, verses 10 through 16 today. I had intended to go through the end of the chapter, but as I got into this, I realized that if I did so, we'd be here for quite a while. So I kind of cut it off at the 16th verse. But here's, here's what Peter says. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them uh, was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you, when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as you have been but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. First Peter reminds us that the prophets of old foretold the coming and the suffering of Christ. And while they were seeking to figure out when this might take place, the Spirit of Christ showed them that they were really writing for us, those people in the future, who would be here after Christ had come and suffered and died and been raised again. And then he comes to that word, therefore. I, I tell you often when you see that word in Scripture, take note and ask yourself, what is the therefore there for? It's there to help you connect what has been said to what's about to be said. Therefore, since Jesus came and suffered and died for our sins, therefore, since he was resurrected by, from the dead by the power of God, therefore, since God has chosen us to be children when we, were, when we placed our faith in the resurrection of Christ, therefore, since the inheritance of eternal life awaits us, Peter says, Prepare your minds. 
Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. So what is the expectation of one who accepts the salvation in Jesus Christ? Be holy. Be holy because God is holy and you belong to God. Be holy because He who called you from death to life is holy. Be holy. That's the expectation of anyone who lives in Christ. Now, holy is another word that basically means set apart. But it's a little different than sanctified. We learned last week that sanctified means to be set apart. When we were sanctified by the Spirit of God, He set us apart. He set us apart for Himself. Now, the expectation for us is that we will be holy. We will be set apart. We will set ourselves apart. In other words, we will live as those who are set apart. Be holy. Now, being holy has nothing to do with being sanctimonious. Okay? It's not about walking around with our hands folded and our heads bowed, you know, like this. Does that remind you of anything, by the way? <laughs> Makes you kind of wonder, doesn't it? These people walk around staring at their phones, bumping into things, stepping into the street. And it's not about walking around with our hands folded. It's not about walking around with our nose in the air because we are too good to be associated with those kind of people. It's not about hiding out from the world. It's not about going and hiding in a monastery someplace. Being holy is about living like Jesus. It's about getting our minds focused on the will of God. Being holy is about being joy-filled because of what God has done for us. It's about loving others as we have been loved by God. It's about being in the world, but not of the world. It's about living as strangers in this world because we know we belong to the kingdom of God. Being holy, it's about living in this world as Jesus lived in this world. He was not of the world, but he was in the world. And being in the world 
he didn't hate the world. Just the opposite. He loved it. He loved it to the point of dying for it. So that we are who are in this world can be forever in his presence. That's how much he loved the world. Jesus gave himself to the world. He gave kindness. He gave mercy. He gave love. He reached out to the lonely and the hurting and the lost. He served others in order to show them the heart of God. This is the expectation of each one who has accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. We are to be holy. Let's look a little closer at what Peter says we should do because of all that God has done for us. He says, therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. Now, what does this all mean? Prepare your minds for action. What action are we talking about? What's the expectation? Be holy. Prepare your mind for the action of being holy. Get your mind prepared. Get it straight. Get it focused. God sanctifies us. He sets us apart to be his own, but then we are to act like it. We are to live like it. Remember what Paul says there in Philippians. He says, live up to what you have attained. In other words, this is what you've been given. Live up to it. God chose you in Christ. You are a child of the King, so live it. This is the action for which we are to prepare our minds. So how do we prepare our minds for action? Well, first of all, we have to be self-controlled. The metaphor of a race uh, is often used in describing the life we're living here as we look forward towards the goal of eternal life. So I want you to imagine for a moment that you're in a race. The gun has sounded, you've left the starting blocks, and you're running down the track. But you happen to look off to the side and you see someone eating some ice cream. And it's a hot day. And you're thinking, hmm, that would really be good. And you, you kind of let your eyes drift off for a little bit and stare at it. But you're still moving. But then finally you, you get on past that. But you're getting hotter and you're starting to feel tired and your mind begins to wonder. And you begin to imagine that you're sitting under a big oak tree. with a glass of ice-cold tea. And the more you think about it, the slower your pace. And then you glance off to your side, and there is someone there holding out an ice-cold glass of tea. You want that tea. 
So you turn off the track thinking you'll just run over and grab a quick drink. Only once you have it in your hand, you don't want to start running again. You just want to sit down under a big oak tree and enjoy that iced tea. If we're going to be prepared for action, the action of living holy, we must be self-controlled. And being self-controlled is not accomplished simply by thinking that we can just grit our teeth and resist that cold iced tea. When you keep looking off to things in the world that allure you, they will simply become more alluring. The more you look at them, the more you focus on them, the more alluring they become. I like this quote by Will Rogers. He said, even if you're on the right track, you'll get run over if you just sit there. In life, as we strive to be holy, there will always be things in this world calling us. Like that glass of ice cold tea being held out to us. They will be alluring. And the easiest thing to do is to turn aside and take our minds off the race and focus on that which allures us. But what we're really doing is taking our minds off the goal. We're not just taking our minds off the race that's in front of us. We're taking our minds off the goal that's at the end. Here is the key to being self-controlled. Peter says it this way. He says, set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. In other words, keep your eyes focused on the finish line. Because at the finish line, there's a huge banner. And what that huge banner says is salvation. That's the finish line. Salvation. Remember what we read last week? Though you have not seen Him, you love Him, and even though you do not see Him now, you believe in Him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. You're receiving the goal because you're focused on it. That's where you're headed. Your eyes are on the finish line. Don't become engrossed by the alluring things of the world because they will not take you to the finish line. And the truth is, those things that allure you, they are a finish line. If we give ourselves to the things of this world, then that's all there is. We have our reward. We have reached our finish line. I'm reading a book right now. It's entitled, God's at War. 
And the premise of this book is that idolatry is not an issue for the Christian. It's not an issue for the Christian. It is the issue for the Christian. Remember the Ten Commandments? God said, I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before me. If we worship anything other than God, it is an idol. And idols don't have to be made of stone. An idol is what you set your heart on. An idol is what you live your life for. An idol is what takes center stage in your life. An idol is what you find yourself totally focused on, completely dedicated to. An idol is what you will move everything else in your life around to be able to focus on that. An idol is what sits on the throne of your life. It's what sits on the throne of your heart. When your thoughts and actions and plans are primarily built around something, that something is what you worship. That something becomes your idol. That something is your God. Now perhaps you may think to yourself, well, how can I pursue anything in life successfully if I don't focus on it? If I don't make it a priority? I mean, I need to make the most of my talents. I need to make the most of my opportunities. I need to make the most of and pursue my dreams. I need to make a living. And that is all true. But the question is, where is God? Where is God's place in all of that? When you're running the race, what's on your shirt? What does it say on your shirt? Does it say, I'm running for Jesus? Or does it say, I'm running for me? Is he on the sidelines? Or is he at the very presence of everything you pursue? Why are you pursuing it? For you? Are you doing it for God? Because you want God to be seen through it. You want His love to be seen through it. You want His power to be seen through it. You want His kingdom to be seen through it. You want people to see God in you. You know in your heart if He is or is not sitting on the throne of your heart. And if He is not, then whatever it is you're pursuing, that's your idol. That's your God.
and it's also your finish line. That's all there is. If we are going to be holy, we must prepare our minds for action. We must be focused on the finish line where the banner says salvation. That's where we want to go. And the God who raised Jesus from the dead is standing to welcome us home. Home to eternal life. That glass of ice-cold tea looks awfully good. But is that what I want for my life? Or do I want the salvation? Which finish line do I want? Do I want to be satisfied with the things of the world that temporarily allure me? Or do I want to cross the finish line and have eternal life? Everything else we pursue in life can only have eternal significance if it is totally placed at the throne of God. So, do you want to be holy as He is holy? Then let God and God alone sit on the throne of your life. And whatever you do, whatever you pursue, Make it about God and not about you. Once it becomes about you, then it becomes your God. Heavenly Father, as we live in this world, this is, and you know it is, difficult for us. We have interests, we have talents, we have opportunities. We do need to make a living. There are things that we focus on. There are things that are important to us. And we know that you understand that, but we also know, Father, that those cannot be those cannot be the finish line. Help us not to turn aside. But help us no matter what we're doing, no matter what we're pursuing in life, no matter what we're trying to accomplish in in our lives. Help us to keep you at the very center of it so that we will not be turned aside, but that we will in fact finish the race and cross the finish line that says salvation and have you welcome us home. Help us to do that, Father. And we ask it in your Son's name. Amen.